Welcome to the Invested Dads Podcast, simplifying financial topics so that you can take action and make your financial situation better, helping you to understand the current world of financial planning and investments. Here are your hosts, Josh Robb and Austin Wilson. All right. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the Invested Dads Podcast, a podcast where we take you on a journey to better your financial future. Josh, why are you wearing overalls and a straw hat? Well, I thought today we were going to be talking about harvesting. Hmm, well, that could be kind of what we're talking about, but maybe not quite. What are we going to be talking about? Well, we are talking about a type of harvesting. Oh, good. It is harv- Well, harvest season just kind of wrapped up. It is wrapped up. It's cold now. But this is a harvesting that people do at the end of the year for investments. Aha. So this is tax loss harvesting. Gotcha. So when you, when we're talking harvesting, if you think farmers, it's pulling the crops off, right? Bringing yep. your your produce in. Well, tax loss, loss harvesting is the idea where you are going to harvest or bring, realize your losses within your portfolio. And so Wait, yeah. sometimes investments go down? What? And not only that, but they also go up, sell them, and sell them. Yeah, this is is counterintuitive. It is. So everything we're talking about is buying, holding. Don't sell when it's down. You know, buy low, sell high. All that fun stuff. Except for sometimes. Except for what is this happening? (laughs) So this is just a tax strategy. Right. So the the purpose of this is to either reduce, minimize, or offset gains in your portfolio. And so, what is tax loss harvesting? Yeah. Just let's walk through and explain it. Then we're going to talk about. You know why you need to do it, and then kind of where, where that fits with exactly. most strategies. All right. So, what is tax loss harvesting? It's taking a loss on a holding, selling it to offset a gain you had during that same year that you had sold for. So, right. Example: I own two different stocks. All right, and I bought them a couple of years ago. Just so, and maybe we should start with that. So, there's short term and long term gains on a holding. Austin, you can explain those pretty easy. What a short-term gain is. How long do you have to hold it before it becomes long-term? It's probably also noteworthy that what we're talking about today does not apply to taxable, or it only applies to taxable accounts. Correct. This does not apply yes. to IRAs, any retirement account kind yes. of thing, tax-sheltered, tax-deferred, all of this stuff, not applicable. Right. This is for like a taxable investment account. Yep. So yeah, short-term capital gains, short-term meaning less than one year holding period. Yes. So if you bought something in January of 2020, this is coming out in December of 2020, yep. you cannot, you will be in the short-term category. Right. You have held Which it less than one year. Not and that's problem. okay. But if it's but if you're holding it in, in less than one year and you're getting that short-term capital gains and you sell, you're going to be taxed your income tax rate. Yep. But if you hold something longer than a year, so if you bought it last November and you're selling it in December of 2020, then you've held it more than one year, and if you sell it, you're and at a gain, you're going to be taxed at a capital gains rate. And Josh, what are those tap, yes. capital gains breakdowns? Yeah, for 2020, the capital gains tax rates are zero percent. In other words, you owe nothing on this gain if your income is between zero and eighty thousand dollars for married filing jointly. For single filers, it's zero to forty thousand dollars. Is that like a hard break? It is, and so. And then above that, then you're paying 15%, which is, again, still lower than your taxable rate. Right. But that's from 80 to 400 and some thousand dollars. 
And then anything over the 400 and some thousand is different for single or married, but they're both in the mid 40s. You're paying 20%. Right. But again, even at that point, you're paying less than your income tax. Right? So that is gains. That's now, capital gains. Now, when you yeah. think about what we're talking about is the loss harvesting side yes. of it, losses don't have the same short and long-term thresholds. They do. They in do. the time frame. So if I sell something I had owned in less than a year, it's a short-term loss. And but you can use that, that to offset a long-term gain. So the reason gain. it matters is first yeah. you offset whatever you are. Right. So if I'm a short-term loss, I offset other short-term gotcha. gains. And then if there's anything left over, I can then offset the other type of gain. Yeah. All right. So that's what tax loss harvesting is. The other piece of that is when that's all said and done, if you still have a loss, so if there's a year that you've offset all your gains and you still have a loss, you can actually take 3000 of that against your income right. in that year. So let's say I have $9,000 of losses, $3,000 of gains. Okay, So then I net those out, so I'm left with $6,000. I can take $3,000 against my income this year. Yeah. So it reduces my income, saves me a little bit on tax. Yep. And then that leftover $3,000, carry I carry it to the next year, and right. I have it until I use it. Tax so loss carry nice. forward. Yes, it's nice. So what is tax loss harvesting? It's just saying I have some losses. I'm going to offset some things I... I'm going to be taxed as gains on, all right? And it has to be, it starts with like to like, and then you can offset each other. All right. So Whew. why do people do that? That's, yeah. that's what it is. Why do you do that? Well, the biggest idea is you can control taxes, and this is one of the ways to do it. Yeah. And so you're going to have to pay taxes at some point mm-hmm. on gains. But if I'm going to, if at that same time I also have losses, I can offset those and reduce it a little bit. I mean, I guess the general thought is that less tax is more beneficial to everyone yes. except for the government. Yes. So we all want to achieve less taxes in a legal and yes. ethical way. Yep. And this is a perfectly legal oh, yes. and ethical way. Yep. It's been it's, it's perfectly on the table. Yep. Yeah. I think that that's just the general kind of rule of thumb is yep. if you can pay less taxes, why wouldn't yep. you? In, in when we walk through the how... There's a couple of re- like, why would someone sell something at a loss? Well, mm-hmm. we're going to talk through that uh, in the how of you're really not getting out. So when we say don't sell when it's low, we're talking about you're, you're getting out of the opportunity to regain that. Right. Right. So a good example is, okay, let's say I'm in 2020 and I own some energy stocks. Chances are my energy stocks <laughs> are good. down. Yeah. Okay. That's an example. Yeah. Right now, energy stocks are down this year. And if yeah. you've held them long term, chances are you're probably down still. Yep. Either way, let's say I have a loss for that. Well, I think energy stocks are going to eventually come back. So I don't want to be out of it, but I want to realize this on my taxes. Correct. So what I'm going to do, what people do, is I'm going to sell. Let's say I, I hold, give me an energy Chevron. Stock. Chevron. Okay. So I own Chevron and I have a loss. So I'm going to sell Chevron realize that loss. Yep. But I still want, I have all this money now. You want and I don't energy want to exposure. Out, right. And I don't want to sit out. I'm not selling because I'm panicking. Yep. I just am trying to maximize my tax efficiency. So I say, okay, I'm going to buy something to track the energy. I yep. can buy... XLE, I like can the buy energy sector spider. ETF. Yep. I can buy an energy mutual fund. I could buy another energy holding. Yeah. Now, the government wants to make sure you're not cheating the system. So again, make sure we're doing this legally and, and, and correct, I can't turn around and rebuy Chevron. Correct. I also For a period of time. For a period of time. And I also cannot buy a substantially equivalent holding. Yeah. So what does that mean? Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's one of those air things. for interpretation. So what, yeah. what that really means is I can't buy something that is an equivalent to that. So an option or 
something where it's tied to that stock itself. Yep. So options are actually tied to the under the thing that you're you're betting for or against. So I can't own a Chevron option or like a two share class company. You yes. can't go flip can't, and buy yeah, the other I can't share go class. Buy the other share class. But I can buy. Let's say I like another energy name. Yeah. Throw out another energy marathon. Name for marathon. So marathon petroleum. So I sell Chevron buy marathon. Yep. Or like we mentioned before, a lot of people use a placeholder, which is like an ETF or yep. something. Because that allows you to participate in the market movement of what you're selling while you can't hold what you sold. Yes. But after 31 days. Yes. It's 30 days. I can't. On the 31st rebuy. day. I could. You sell can it, rebuy it. what you sold. Yes. So if you sold Chevron at a loss at the 1st of November, mm-hmm. then at the 1st of December. Yep. You can buy on the thirty first day. You, so, so yeah. Then, then you sell. Then you sell it. You buy uh, XLE, the Energy Sector Spider ETF, as a placeholder. You get energy exposure during that month, and then on the thirty first day, boom, you sell your Sector Spider, and then you buy back what you had already harvested that loss on, yep. and you're good. You've yep. you've done your job. Yep. And so, what happened there? The government will look and say, okay, you held whatever the stock is. You had a loss, so now you get to offset any gains. And you did not rebuy that in the 30-day window, which the term is a wash sale. You're washing out that loss by repurchasing it. So as long as you avoid that 30 days, they say, okay, that was fine. And then you're back to holding what you wanted. So long story short, this is a way that especially, let's say um, you're in retirement and you have a taxable account and you're living off of that. So you take distributions out of that. So throughout the year, you're selling to generate the cash that you need to live on. Well, throughout the year, you're not really thinking about too much about taxes, because you just need that money to live on. You know, you'd have to take the distribution. At the end of the year, you can say, okay, now that I'm at the end of the year, I know how much gains I actually had throughout all that process. Can I reduce some of it? So it's really just, you don't just sell just to sell. You're doing right. it strategically. You're picking what you need. You know, you just sell what's at a loss. And you wouldn't probably harvest losses unless you needed to offset gains. Yep. Like if you, if you just, if you don't need that money, and you don't, you're not generating any other gains. Yeah. You could just roll with it, and maybe it'll bounce back or yeah. whatever. So let's say you have something else that goes on in your life where you realize a bunch of capital gains, whether it's a sale of a business or something else that has long-term capital gains, property, something like that. You can offset it with some losses if you need to to try to bring your tax brackets down. You know, it's is that's all this really is for. So how do you do it? You know, it's really simple. Is you just sell that thing. Buy a placeholder, wait 31 days, buy it back if you want it. I mean, you don't have to, right? But, you know, most people do. They, they were holding it for a reason, and yeah. so they want to get it back in the portfolio. Yeah. Um, and then on your taxes, when it comes time, you know, February of the next year, when most people get their tax statement stuff sent to them from their custodian, it will show their capital gains and capital losses. So then when you're doing your taxes, those two offset. Right. So pretty straightforward, pretty easy. Let's do a dad joke, and then we'll oh. come back to kind of who should do this and, and kind of wrap it up. All right, Josh. I have got a good one for you. Okay. What is a CPA's favorite place to live? Favorite place to live? I don't know. Taxes. Taxes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and dollars taxes? And dollars taxes. Oh, there See, you, go. you said you primed me for that. I made that joke up. That's an original. That's a good joke. But you said something about your brother lives in Texas. Yes, that's true. And I was like, "That's a joke." Oh well, I'm just going to use that as use a, it. okay. So I made well, that up. Do you know where the the CPAs get their clothes from? No, Goodwill. <laughs> that's a, that's, a that's funny. Category. Yeah, we'll that's we'll funny. get into an accounting discussion Goodwill. at some other point. Man, okay, that's so a catch yes, all. that Goodwill bucket's a catch all. You can everything. cover up a lot. Oh, it's like intangibles. Yeah. So <laughs> getting back to it, should I do that? That's the question you ask. 
I don't know. I, should am you? Am I the one? Should I be doing this? Yeah. And the answer really depends. Oh, right? Josh. Oh, you love oh Josh. Oh, it's so good. Maybe is the Maybe. answer. Yeah. In uh, moderation, perhaps. So the idea really is, do I have gains to offset? Yeah. Um, you know, you don't have to sell everything that's at a loss at the end of each year. Right. Just and at some point, if it's just a small loss, it might just, it's immaterial yeah. in the grand scheme and of things. And then the second thing is, are there costs involved? So most of the time now with trade costs, there's really no trade costs for purchasing and selling. There used to be, used to pay right. commissions for those. Hopefully nowadays, most of you are not experiencing those. We have so many commission-free, transaction-free products out there yep. that you're not experiencing. So that used to be a burden is, is it worth four ninety five trade for what I'm going to get out of this tax savings? You know, you always ask that question. And then the second thing is, is this the year to do it? Because maybe some of these losses are going to compound or grow that I could take better utilize it in a future year. Yeah. So should you do it? It really just depends. Do you have a high tax need this year to reduce your taxes? And it's kind of funny. If you would have sat down with you know a manager who's managing money for people or a CPA earlier in 2020, they would probably be thinking, okay, this is going to be a great year Get some, to harvest some a bunch of losses. It's going to be great. And then we're sitting here in December and the stock market's at all-time highs, and wow. If you um, wrote it out. You might not have, yeah, if you wrote it out, you probably don't have a ton, other than, you know, energy or financials probably are the two areas. You probably could still have some losses, but in general, if you're just holding a lot of equities, yeah. you're doing okay. Yep. Not a ton of losses yeah. out there. So I guess let's kind of let's take a step back. So we had mentioned that this is the time of year that, you know, tax planning is starting to occur. There are things you can do before December 31st and later. But we'll get to that to really look at how I can change the tax outcome for this year when I file my taxes next year. So what are some other ideas of things that people could consider when they're looking at their tax situation at at the end of the year going into next year? Well, there's one that's very important. And those are if you're over the age of 72, the required distribution. Yeah. So if oh, you yeah. have an IRA account or 401k, any kind of tax deferred retirement account, meaning taxes have not been paid yet on that. Those accounts have a required distribution for anybody 72 years or older. So if you're in that boat, or if you have an inherited IRA, that's a whole nother thing. They just changed the tax law, so you have 10 years. But if you have a grandfathered-in inherited IRA and you have been taking distributions, you still have to do that. Right. So in general, required distributions carry a heavy tax penalty if you don't do them. So what I'm talking about is every year you calculate (laughs) my 12... 31, so my ending year value is my calculation point to say how much money has to come out of that portfolio. Right. There's a whole formula. You can get it on the IRS website, but it, it, it's a factor. You divide it into the number, your ending value, tells you how much you need. You have the full calendar year to take that out, but by 1231 at the end of the year, if that money is not out of that account or in general, the overall portfolio, you get taxed. You have to take that money out plus 50% of that value is that so you were had to take out. Yeah. So let's yeah. say I had a $1,000 required distribution. Another five. I didn't take it out. Yeah. Another $500. I don't have to take out. It's I tax. To give to the yeah. government. It's, I mean, you don't want to miss that. It's a big tax. And those power. numbers can be large. Yes. So by the end of the year, you want to make sure you've taken your required distribution. Now I say that 2020, the required distribution has been waived Correct. for this year. So if you haven't taken it out yet, you do not need to. Yeah. Um, and it, you passed it. You actually were able to put some back earlier this year. That's passed this deadline, so it's irrelevant now. Let's say you have required distribution in a normal year, but you don't need the money. All right. So if I take a distribution out of an IRA account, 
I get taxed on that. So if I br- take $1,000 out of my IRA, that shows $1,000 of income. And I have tax to out of your tax income. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. If I don't need that money, but I have to take it out, one of the things I can do is give it to charity directly from my IRA. It's called a Qualified Charitable Distribution, a QCD. Mm-hmm. So we have an RMD, Required, and then a QCD. It was a Qualified Charitable Distribution. Required Minimum Distribution, yes. Qualified Charitable Distribution. We like these little... And we talk, We had a whole episode on RMDs Yes, a while we back. Talked through, and we did talk about QCDs and, a little bit. Yeah, and we'll link that yeah. in the show notes as but well. Both of those are year-end. But yeah, You got to exactly. do it by 1231. You can you do it at any extension. point during yes. the year, but... Gotta be done. Gotta by, be done want, by the end. it done by in that year? It's gotta be done by the Correct. end. Correct. So that's a way. It doesn't count as income for you. It goes straight to charity. We talked about all that, so we're not going to go into detail. But that's something that's a year end. It that's the deadline. Right. You can't go past that. The other thing that has a year end deadline is converting money out of an IRA into a Roth IRA. Yep. So again, this is an idea that if I have a year where it makes sense from a tax standpoint, where I am actually in a low tax bracket, I can take money in a regular IRA where that's a traditional rollover, simple, sap, it, it, it doesn't matter, convert it into a Roth IRA. And a conversion just means I'm moving it, paying tax right. on that process is going to count as income. Yep. But once it's in that Roth, it grows tax-free yes. for the rest of the time. So if I'm in a low tax bracket, and let's say I'm in the 10% tax bracket, and because of where my income is, I have another $20,000 of income before I move to the 12% tax bracket. I could then move... $20,000 from my IRA into my Roth, and I'd only be taxed at 10% on that move, which is great. Yeah. It's a very low tax. Low is good. And so I do that. The most efficient way then is paying the tax outside of that distribution. So if I take 20000 I want to move a full 20000 into that Roth. And then I, the tax that I owe, I pay from somewhere else. The right. taxable account, my bank account, checking account, whatever. Then I get a full conversion of $20,000 to the Roth. That has a 1231 deadline as well. Yep. I have to do it in the calendar year. End of year. Health savings account. Ooh, HSAs. And so now we're going to get into some contributions that are limited in the year. So an HSA has a limit to how much you can put into it in any one year. Based on whether it's a family plan or individual, there's a certain amount. Correct. And that varies. But it's somewhere, I think the cap is right around $7,000, give or take. I have to put that money in. It's a use it or lose it type of idea. I can't, if I don't do enough this year, next year I can't play catch up. I have to get that money in. Nope. So look at that. Your end of the year, if you have some extra money, maybe you get a bonus or something, you can say, okay, is there room for me to put some extra into an HSA? If I qualify for an HSA, that's a good spot to put it in. Why is that a good spot, Austin? Well, because it's tax deductible. Tax deductible and grows tax-free. And grows tax-free. And when you take it out for healthcare expenses, yeah, tax-free. exactly. It's called triple tax savings. So yeah. you really, it's a very efficient way of growing money, especially for healthcare expenses. And actually, HSAs in retirement can be used for other things after you hit a certain age, which is yep. even crazier. I know. Now, you do pay some tax on some of those distributions, but it grows tax-free. Right. So long story short, HSAs are a great saving vehicle, part of the reason why they limit. Another thing that has limitations on it are IRA contributions. So now there's two. You have a traditional IRA, which is pre-tax, so yep. you get a deduction. So if you need to reduce your income, that's a spot you can do in a year. Now, you can do this past the end of the year. You have until April. Right, the tax the tax day, April fifteenth, to make these. So these give you a little extra cushion in here. Which I always thought it was funny why they do that because you could just yeah, you'd have one year of catch up or whatever, yeah. and then it's calendar. Yeah, it's just so weird. Might as well. It, it's there, uh, but for traditional and Roth IRAs, you have until April. Traditional bring down your current year's tax, 
Roth IRAs are taxed in your current year's tax rate, but never taxed again. So you right. really just have to run the analysis and say, which one gives me the best bang for my buck? Yes. If they grow at the exact same rate and your tax bracket stays exactly the same, you get the same amount of money at the end. Right. It's really weird. <laughs> um, so there's no, it's more a matter of, am I paying lower taxes now than I think I will in the future? Or am I paying higher taxes now? Determines which one you want. And it depends on A, the direction of your income. Yep. And B, the direction of taxes. Yep. And it, the general rule yeah, of thumb no. is that Taxes are unlikely from this point to go down much. Yeah. yeah. So always yeah, but plan. But if on, I'm in a like, let's say I earn a ton of money, I'm in a very high tax bracket. Then, then when your income drops, your tax yeah. bracket so, will come down. Traditional right. IRAs make a lot of sense. Exactly. So it really just depends where you're at. So yep. IRAs, Roth IRAs, those type of contributions are great. You have a little extra time. The last one is 401k contributions. Now that's a little trickier because you can't just turn around and write a check and drop it in. In no. most cases. So what you have to do is just say, okay, do I have some extra money? If I do, do I want to change my withholdings on my paycheck for my last couple of paychecks right. coming into the end of the year? Yep. So again, coming back to, let's say I get a cash bonus or something at the end of the year. And okay, I'm set. From a living expense standpoint, I could turn around and tell my employer, hey, for my next two paychecks, can you do a 100% withholding or whatever the number is you want, get more money into your 401k? As long as you're within the max, what, yes. 19, 19,500. Yep. Yeah. And so, or if you're over 50, you get the extra 6,000 yep. in there. And so- the the big thing there is just if you're trying to optimize pre-tax savings, 401k is a great vehicle to do that in. Right. You get a higher limit because Ross are six thousand, 401ks are nineteen five. So if you yeah. you know you got a bigger bang for your buck there, so that takes a little extra planning. But again, that's just year end something to think about, and so some planning that you can do at the end of the year. And these are all really just helping with taxes, either avoiding taxes or reducing them. And I think that going through this list really brings to light the fact that this is not simple. You know, this is not something that, unless you're well-versed in the tax rules, which change every year, and all of these restrictions and how you can move money and how you can do this without incurring penalties and all of this stuff, it's good to talk to someone who knows what's going on. And that's where Josh comes in. I I ask him questions about this myself because he's the expert in my world. But this is where a, you know, working with an advisor is going to be a benefit and to And a you. CPA. And a know, CPA, to, even really together. Important. Those yes. t- those typically as a team can be a very powerful, especially as maybe you get older and you're in situations where those taxes can make a lot big. Like when you're younger, you, you can kind of understand where your money's going and maybe the, your gains aren't as much and yep. all this stuff. But as you get older, those, those numbers get bigger mm-hmm. and you can definitely pull some levers. Yep. So this is where, yeah, working with a CPA for your tax piece, work with an advisor for your investment piece and have the two work together, yep. you can really make a difference in your outcome from yep. there. And the reason why they're both helpful is CPA approaches it from a tax, they're, they're tax minded. They say, okay, what can I do to reduce taxes? All they care about is taxes, right? Which is important. And then the advisor is thinking, okay, I'm looking at long-term investing. How can I get these investments to perform to meet those goals? Taxes are there. We're aware of taxes, but that's not driving our decision making. So that the CPA comes in and says, "Hey, look at this. Think exactly. about this." And they're they're running those numbers from a different standpoint. So you're getting two different kind of opinions or starting points. And if they work together, you get a, a really nice solution. So that's that's ideal. So if you have any questions about tax loss harvesting or anything in your situation, 
feel free to reach out to us. We yeah. can help you out. There's a invest with us tab and you can contact us and talk to us. That is a service that we provide to clients at our firm. So if you're interested, no pressure at all, but take a look. We'd be happy to, to chat with you about that. And as always, check out our free gift to you. It's a brief list of eight principles of timeless investing. These are overarching investment themes meant to keep you on track to meet your long-term goals. Uh, check it out. It's free on our website. Josh, how can people help us grow this podcast and continue to help people? Yeah. As we are here at the end of the year again at 2020, um, if you know somebody that is thinking about tax loss harvesting or talking about gains and losses, share this episode with them. Uh, we'd, hopefully that will be helpful. As we're heading into the new year, we'd love to know what topics would you like to hear next Absolutely. year. Absolutely. So please reach out to us at hello at theinvestedads.com. Shoot us an email and tell us some topics that you'd love to hear about. And then last, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us rank so more people can find and hear about us. Awesome. Well, until next Thursday, have a great week. All right. See you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Invested Dads podcast. This episode has ended, but your journey towards a better financial future doesn't have to. Head over to theinvesteddads.com to access all the links and resources mentioned in today's show. If you enjoyed this episode and we had a positive impact on your life, leave us a review. Click subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Josh Robb and Austin Wilson work for Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Josh, Austin, or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. There is no guarantee that the statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be correct. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Indices are not available for direct investment. Any investor who attempts to mimic the performance of an index would incur fees and expenses, which would reduce returns. Securities investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment plan or strategy will be successful.